Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me, Zach Smith, in our uh, brand new podcasting studio here. Very excited about that. And we're going to bring you another edition of Puckheads here on Monday, January 27th. The final edition of uh, Puckheads in January. It's hard to believe we're going to be talking about trade deadline next month and talking about a whole lot of stuff, which is going to be here before you know it. But first off, let's recap with the All-Star game. Uh, that happened, oh gosh, happened over the weekend, Saturday and Friday. Let's get to the skills competition and give you the winners. Matthew Barzell, unseated Connor McDavid, is the fastest skater in the NHL by 0.4 seconds with a time of 13.15 seconds. Jordan Bennington won the save streak competition with 10 consecutive saves. Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes was the won the accuracy shooting with 9.505 seconds. Trey Weber won the hardest shot with 106.5 miles per hour. And Kane, Patrick Kane won the new shooting stars event. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. And in the women's 3-on-3 game, Canada beat the U.S. 2-1 in a phenomenal game, but and going to Saturday night, the All-Star Game, the Atlantic Division defeated the Metropolitan 9-5 in the first semifinal. The Pacific Division defeated the Central Division, which loses every year, 10-5 in the second semifinal. And the Pacific Division, for the third year in a row, won the whole All-Star mini 3-3 competition 5-4. Zach, what were your thoughts about All-Star Weekend in St. Louis? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think my biggest takeaway is uh, St. Louis was such an awesome venue to have the All-Star Weekend in. I mean, obviously, you, you got the defending champs, uh, the city that, you know, was starved for great hockey for so long, and now they're just relishing in, it seems like, every major event. Um, they brought out so many of their greats throughout the week. Um, you know, you, you, you can't take away from how great the the overall environment was. So that's just St. Louis itself. The skills competition is always fun. You get the best of the best players out there. We talked about some of the new uh, skills competitions they had. Obviously, the women's three-on-three was awesome. Just really a great weekend overall, um, a great week of hockey to see the best of the best come out. Exciting to see some new young faces uh, make some names and win some of these competitions. And, yeah, I mean uh, – the other takeaway, the Central is going to continue to just keep losing every year, and that's okay. You know, it's obviously they're playing for, you know, a small cash prize, but, um, you know, just a fun weekend overall. You know, I think one of the things I'm going to take away is that, you know, I thought the NHL did a better job of integrating women into this event. Uh, this the last three years they've had women involved, and more and more they increase every year the amount of participation that the women have. Um you know, I was shocked to see that Barzell beat Connor McDavid in the fastest skater. I was a little bit surprised that Jacob Slavin won the accuracy shooting. I watched part of the shooting stars. I was in and out on Friday night and out for a good chunk, but I came in towards the end of it. I don't know if you saw the shooting stars. I thought it was clunky. Um, yeah, it's the first year. I think there's ways that they can do it better in terms of maybe making it harder for the targets. And I really think they need to find a way to encourage creativity to up the difficulty level. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, I caught some of it as well. I was just a little confused about how, how all the rules worked. I mean, I thought when Patrick Kane took that final shot in whatever it was, the sudden death, I thought he lost because I wasn't completely sure how they were scoring things throughout the night. It was obviously, you know, a fun um, a fun event to have. It's a new event that they're going to have. And, um, you know, they've got room for improvement. It's exciting that they're adding new things, and I think uh, we'll see some, some better ways to uh, – to have it be a, a more, I don't know, efficient event, a more exciting event, and one that the fans can really follow along with. So, yeah, and I agree with that. That there's there's just there's got to be a way to either they shoot from different areas. I don't know how you do it, but you know you have to think about fan safety. But like, there's got to be a way to just up the difficulty rather than shooting from a platform. And people were confused, like, oh, it hit the arch, but it went in the back of the net. Wait, so it doesn't count? And it was just. Very clunky. Um, other than that, I mean, I, look, the skills competition is a lot of fun um, to me. So I, I always enjoy it. And I agree with you. I, I think they'll find ways to tweak it. It's the first year of the event. Um, it did get people talking about the NHL, which is harder than you would think in the United States at times. So um, I agree there. Um, one of the things that, I mean, I, I like to, um, I'll be interested to see, because Green Day signed a two-year contract with the NHL. I don't know if you caught their performance on Saturday night. No, I didn't. There were several profane words. Oh, nice. Released. The censors caught most of them because I was watching the All-Star game and in between periods, and you know, if you're familiar with Green Day, they do have some swear words in there, and there were some swear words in there, and it was it was quite interesting. Um, you, you know, I, I like... You know, a lot of Green Day songs, so, um, and it was just, you know, they played American Idiot, <laughs> and at one point, uh, you know, there was encouragement to get, you know, get your hands up in the air, not the nicest way, so I'm not so sure how NHL's going to react to, oh, God, we have another year of the All-Star game, which, I mean, Green Day is a great band, but. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the right environment uh, for Green Day to be in. Not when there are children there, no. Um, the one thing I thought was very classy, um, St. Louis, Layla Anderson, introducing Central All-Stars. Uh, as you remember, she was a, a motivation during that Stanley Cup run. Everybody kind of, you know, rallied around her. So I, I think that, you know, I thought it was well done. I thought St. Louis did a great job. Yeah, and I mean, you've got Hull coming out for the that shooting competition. You've got, um, uh, what is his name, Al McKinnis. Who, uh, how old is he? He's in his 60s now? 50s. 50s? Yeah. You know, he's coming up, and I'm thinking he's going to, you know, hit mid-80s maybe, and I would be impressed by that. He's got that old wood stick that doesn't have the bend that these guys now have. He had over 100 on the hardest shot. That was just, I mean, obviously there's great moments. That's one of my favorites just because, you know, that's something that, you know, it's just exciting for the fans, obviously, to see that he still has, you know, the best of the best in the game when you're, you know, guys half his age um, with the bend they have in those sticks. Uh, St. Louis just did a great job, a great scenery for the All-Star game, and, um, you know, well-deserved decision for the NHL to be there this season. Oh, of course, of course. Um, 
Yeah, and and I thought the NHL just did a fantastic job, as they normally do with these types of events. All right, let's go on to... I, I was thinking about this while watching the three-on-three. Three. I, I was out at a restaurant. I'm watching a women's three-on-three three game. And I'm thinking, should the NHL support a women's league? Much like the NBA does with the WNBA, shouldn't the NHL support, say, an eight-team women's league? Right. There is more than enough talent in U.S. Canada. You have players from Finland and Sweden who are you know, really, really good. Uh, you know, you'd have some international players as well, obviously. But shouldn't the NHL start out with like an eight-team league? And I came to this idea, and I mentioned it the other day when I was on the radio show that I'm on here in, in town. Um, you know, the radio show that I'm on every Saturday morning, Sports Weekly. And... Um, you know, I'm thinking about it, and thinking, you know, the NHL should commit to maybe four big cities, and four cities that don't have major sports, and do it that way. You put a couple up in Canada, maybe you put one in Madison here, because uh, Madison loves hockey, put one in Minneapolis, and do it that way. So, it's not all on big markets. You try to get those markets that don't have a lot of major sports, and see if you can get support that way. Because the talent, to me, the women's game might have been even more entertaining than the, the men's games on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That was the best game of the week. I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding unsupportive. Do I think it's a great idea? Yes. Do I think they should do it? No. And that's simply because... That's not an indictment against the talent that's in the women's game. I just don't know if there's the support for it. And where the WNBA feels like it's very forced, and there's not, you know, you, you pan into a view of the, of the fans, and there's, you know, 12 people in a, in a massive stadium at the WNBA games. I like the idea enough that I think it's worth waiting on. And I think, you know, again, if they were going to go for a few teams and have it, like you're saying, in, in different cities, that would be a way you could go about it. The idea that I like for having a potential bigger fan base for women's hockey at a professional level mimics a new, and I can't remember the name of the league, there's a new lacrosse professional league that started where rather than having, you know, 10 teams in permanent cities and you're traveling around, what, I know what, they're, you're what they're doing is they're doing traveling tournaments where you've got 10 teams that are in, you know, cities. You got one in Minnesota, you got one in Chicago. And then each town, rather than only having one team, they host events where every team comes to play. And so what that does is it kind of, you know, allows you to still cheer for a team, still have that fan base, um, that hometown repping that you want, but it, you know, it doesn't put any permanent infrastructure into it. I, you know, I would love to see it happen because I agree. I think it was the best game of the weekend, and the talent level is there. I'm just not sure if the fan support is there to to support a, a full league yet. Yeah, I believe it. Oh no, it's not major league lacrosse, isn't it? It's premier lacrosse league, right? Yeah, is that what it one. is? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I get that. Yeah, and I understand. That's sort of like the big three model where they go into a town each week and and. Necessarily, but you're saying that the teams would belong to a city and ever the whole league would mm-hmm. come there for a weekend. I, I I really believe that you don't go for those big stadiums with a women's league. You go for smaller stadiums. That's why I think Madison would be a great area. They love college hockey. 
put them in the University of Wisconsin arena that seats like 5,000 or whatever, you will get fans in there. I mean, you know, if you have fans, like, you'll get them there. Like, in Minnesota, you're not going to put them in the Etzel Energy Center. You'll put them in the University of Minnesota Ice Arena. And and I think that that's the way to go. So you can have some that are big cities, but not necessarily big arenas. And, you, you know, or you put it, like, in Hamilton, in, in Ontario, you put it uh, maybe in Quebec, uh, you know. And so there's all kinds of areas, and I think what you have to do is you build it out so it's not like you have a team in L.A. and a team all the way up in Quebec. You know, you, you try to keep it to a segment of the U.S. and Canada that are closer by and do it that way. I, I just, I, you know, I feel that you, you've seen one women's hockey league fold. You saw another one that's on the brink. The top players aren't playing because they're trying to get a better deal, and they clearly have the talent there. And it's just, it always speaks to, Women's hockey should never be just at the forefront of the mind over an Olympics. And that's what it is every four years. Nobody pays attention to the rest of it. And, and I thought, like I said, I thought the women just put on a fantastic show. Yeah, I mean, I would, I 100% would love to see this happen. I would just hate to see it rushed to a point where it fizzles out because there's not a strong enough fan base and there's not enough uh, long-lasting support for it. So, you know, again, I, I, I've i said it week in and week out, whether it's the NHL, whether it's the junior championships, whether it's the women's uh, three-on-three tournament, there's so many talented hockey players that you don't get to see because hockey in itself is not mainstream enough. It's growing in the United States, and the NHL is taking, you know, a, a good effort in trying to reach other fan bases and grow the game. Um, I just would hate to see it rushed because of some temporary success to the point where it's not sustainable because these players are, are talented enough that they deserve a league that is longstanding and, you know, has the support. So I agree. If they're going to go with it, focus more on stadium rather than, um, you know, city necessarily. Because if you have 5,000 fans in a 20,000 arena, it looks bad. If you've got a sold-out crowd in a small arena of 5,000, it looks awesome. And, exactly. and everyone's in it, and that's the way you have to sell it, and then it can grow organically from there. Exactly. Well, you don't want to be like the Oakland A's and tarping off. Or I mean, you look at you know when women's soccer in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was around for a couple of years, and then it folded. It took a look at how long. I agree with you. It, it, you get one shot to get this mm-hmm. right. You have to be calculated and do it the right way. Uh, but, you know, the WNBA did survive because the NBA was able to refuse it with cash. And, and, and the WNBA is standing on its own footing now, and it's more aware in the public eye. I still think their season should be during the fall and winter and not the summer because who? not a lot of people want to be inside watching, you know, basketball for two and a half hours on a summer night. Yeah summer day so all right let's go look at the standings and see where we are coming into the all-star break coming out of the all-star break i guess i should say so if you go through the atlantic division you have boston leading with 70 points tampa bay with 62 florida with 61 tampa and florida would be meeting in the first round uh of the playoffs so you'd have a sunshine state battle there toronto has 57 points they're in fourth and after that Buffalo, montreal they're 10 points behind florida ottawa is way behind detroit is detroit hasn't even gotten to 30 points yet which is 
Just mind-boggling. Embarrassing. To think about it. Uh, they are making a run at the Colorado Avalanche in record of, like, what they have, like, 47 points or something, or low 50s for the entire year. Yeah, I uh, think they might beat them. Yeah, the metro, the Metropolitan Division, uh, Washington Capitals lead with 71 points. The Pittsburgh Penguins have made quite a surge to get in the second of that division at 67. The Islanders, since that 17-game point streak, have been playing pretty much 500 hockey. They're at 63 points. So the Islanders and Penguins would meet again in a rematch of their first-round series last year. Carol, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets have 62 points and currently occupy the first wildcard spot. The Carolina Hurricanes have 61. They have the loss of Dougie Hamilton trying to deal with that, but they currently hold on to the second uh, wildcard spot. Philly is one point behind, so they're ninth in the conference at 60. The Rangers and Devils are out of it. So you look at this, and if the, if the playoffs were to start today, Columbus as wild card one would cross over and play the Boston Bruins in a rematch of their second round series from last year. And then the Carolina Hurricanes would beat the Washington Capitals in a rematch from their first round playoffs. So we'd have three potential rematches there, Zach, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I mean, all three of those series would be great. I mean, obviously, Boston, Washington... And Pittsburgh, I think, have, uh, you know, claimed the top three spots by a pretty good margin. I mean, New York Islanders, they're good, but, you know, do they have that staying power? Tampa has a chance, I think, to to make a real big push and, and join that elite uh, grouping at the top. I like Florida a lot. I like Columbus a lot. I like Carolina a lot. Um, I just don't think they're in the same level as, as those other teams, so it would be a great first round. I mean, i Carolina is a team that, as your second wild card, has a chance to make a good run, just like they did last year. So it's uh, it's an exciting Eastern Conference. Um, I was listening to NHL radio today. I think they said, based on projections and where the teams are right now, you're going to need 98 points to get in. I'm, and that's, you know, pretty astounding. Yeah. I think uh, comparably in the West, you need 90 to get in based on projections. So, you might not even need 90 by the time the West is all said and done. Yeah, I mean, they're just beating each other up. Um, every night. So yeah. the East is exciting. I think it's going to be a great um, run to the finish because I still think Philly has a chance. I think Toronto has a chance. So you're 10 teams deep of, of really good hockey teams. So we'll see how it, uh, how it all, you know, unfolds in the last few months here. I agree. Um, one thing to note, Tampa has three games in hand on Boston. So there's plenty of time for Tampa to really close that gap. You know, Columbus has played 51. Toronto has two games in hand. Toronto's got to get their act together sooner rather than later. But to me, and, and we're going to get into this with this teams, um, I and our teams to watch, I, I'm just astounded by what Columbus has ha- been able to do, especially with the loss of Corpus Allo. They They just keep on hunting. And Carolina, you know, if they can just tread water and they can you know, get these little surges without Dougie Hamilton, and they can get Hamilton back in time for the playoffs, they become a very dangerous low seed. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, if I had to guess right now, I, I don't think Caroline is going to make it just because Hamilton's such a big loss. Um, you know, that they're saying probably out for the season, even if they make a if they make a playoff run, they'd have to go deep for him to be game ready. So yeah. we'll see. It's going to be, I mean, like I said, the 
from one to ten, you got you know ten really solid teams and four really great teams at the top. So it's going to be exciting. If you had to make a prediction of you know which two teams are going to miss the playoffs from that cluster that of that group of ten, yes, I think Carolina and Philly. Those are the two teams that I think will be on the outside looking in. I think Toronto has too much talent. I think they're finally going to put it together and they're going to sneak in in like the last week. So do you think Toronto and Columbus are the wild cards or do you think Toronto surpasses Florida? I think Toronto is going to be the first wild card. I think Columbus is going to be the one that's holding on, um, fending okay. off Philly and Carolina towards the end. Okay. And then I think right. Florida stays in. I think they're a top three team in the Atlantic. All right. And it'll be interesting to see if Washington – what. How about you? I, you know, <sighs> Toronto's just been so inconsistent. And I really want to see this Columbus team in the playoffs now. Um, and Philly's just, Philly can't figure out what they are. I gotta tell you, the, the slump that Toronto had and the way that they played against the Hawks going into their break was pathetic. I'm gonna say that they all hold. And I, what I am gonna say. Yeah, I'm going to say that they all hold, but I think the Islanders fall into a wild card spot, and I think that Columbus goes into that three hole. And uh, I would not be surprised if Pittsburgh catches Washington for the division. Yeah, I mean, I when we were talking about these these top teams in each division with Boston, Washington, just a few weeks ago, it looked like they were going to run away. No one would yep. even be close. But I think, as we mentioned, Tampa has a chance to catch Boston. Pittsburgh has a chance to catch. To catch Washington, and that's not you know a negative about those top teams. It's just Tampa and Pittsburgh are really really good, and they're clicking at the right time. So uh, it's it's going to be exciting. I think, like I said, I think those four teams are head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, I agree. I, I I agree. I think it's those four teams, everybody else. But the, the beauty of hockey is you know it's not necessarily how you're seeing it. It's who you match up against, and do you match up well against them? All right, let's go over to the Western Conference. Uh, St. Louis leading the pack at 68 points, and they're leading the Central Division in the whole conference. Colorado is six points behind at 62. Dallas occupies the third spot at 58. And then you have a cluster of teams, and will one of them emerge as a contender to Dallas or the wildcard spots? You have the Blackhawks at 54 points, Chicago. Winnipeg Jets at 54 as well. Minnesota at 52. Nashville at 51. So St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas would be in the playoffs if they started today. In the Pacific Division, you want to talk about just pick a team out of the hat and yeah. see what happens. It's a cluster. It is. Vancouver at 58 points in first. Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona, and Vegas all have 57 points. San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A. It's just been an awful year for California hockey. And they're going to be California dreaming for next year. But, so the playoffs would start, Arizona would be your first wild card, Vegas would be your second wild card, so St. Louis would be playing Vegas in the first round, Colorado at Dallas in the first round, in the Central, Vancouver would play Arizona in the first round, and Edmonton at Calgary, the Battle of Alberta, which we really desire at this time now, or at least I do, in the first round. You know, and you have Chicago three points out, Winnipeg at three, Minnesota at five out of the wild card, Nashville at six. Nashville has five games in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 
I don't want to act like the West is, you know, not as good or talented as the East because, you know, it is. And I don't think the points are indicative of that. I think it just shows you how competitive it is. I mean, these are teams that don't like each other, especially in the Pacific. We've been talking about how much of a roller coaster that division's been all year. Uh, I mean, I think all five of those top five teams have spent time as number one, as number two, as number three, as number four, and number five. Just take your pick of which week you're looking at. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be – I don't even know what to think because right now I think the top eight teams are in already. Um, But these teams are going to beat each other up to the point where those, you know, four teams in the Central are going to have a chance to catch, you know – what is now Arizona and Vegas right now. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting because this is, to me, in the West, more than the East, is where the bye weeks come into play. So some of these teams played up until Tuesday or Wednesday last week. They're not playing until Saturday. In the case of Nashville, they're playing starting tonight. And they are going to have the opportunity now to pick up points while nobody else is playing. And, you know, Vancouver, Edmonton have under 50 games. You have... Uh, Dallas, Colorado, and St. Louis, the only other teams in the West under 50 games played. This is the opportunity that Nashville has been waiting for. To me, I think you get a more accurate feeling of where these standings are and what looks like it might occur after this week and after everybody comes back from their bye week, which I think is Saturday. It's the first day that a lot of these teams are coming back from the bye week. But Nashville is playing. They have Toronto at home tonight. They're at Washington on Wednesday. They're at New Jersey on Thursday. I mean, and that's three games right there that, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to make up some points. I mean, I'm just looking through the schedule to see, but, I mean, Colorado doesn't even play until, let's see, uh, Saturday. So, I mean, there are some teams, but when you have the opportunity, like in Edmonton and Calgary and Nashville, to try to get out of the cellar, it helps when you get to play and Minnesota doesn't play, the Hawks don't play, and Winnipeg doesn't play until, uh, let's see here, Friday. Friday is when Winnipeg plays, and Minnesota and the Hawks play on Saturday. So, great opportunity for Nashville to make up some ground. Yeah, and I mean, what the conversation that we're going to have for the next few years, based on what the St. Louis Blues were able to do last year is, you know, what team with a few games in hand has a chance to make that run, make it to the playoffs, and then you can talk about whatever happens at that point. Nashville has been the team I think we've talked about for the last few weeks is having that run to possibly go from worst to, you know, a playoff spot. I still think they have the talent. Um, this is the week to do it. I mean, obviously Toronto's not an easy game if they're on their A game. Washington is, you know, they're one of the best teams for a reason. And then you have New Jersey, which, you know, that's an easy game to to miss, you know, miss your preparation for if you handle those first two so you don't want to let down like that. It's going to be tough, um, I think, to make it just because the Pacific is so competitive. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I still like Nashville's chances of any team to make that St. Louis Blues, like, jump. Um, that's the team that I've picked all year. I still think they have it in them. So looking at this, Cluster, we have, what, 12 teams or eight spots? I'm not even going to say eight spots, okay, because St. Louis is in, Colorado's in, okay? So we have 10 teams for six spots. 
A minimum of three of those have to go to the Pacific Division. So I'm going to ask two questions. A, who wins the Pacific Division? And B, uh, you know, how do you see the rest of this working out in terms of who's going to make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think right now looking at it and just how the season's played out, if I'm making a bet today, I'm putting Calgary at the top of the Pacific for the second year in a row. I just think they've got – they know what it takes to get there. Um, obviously, Vegas does too, but I think Calgary is starting to put it together. Look, they had a slow start to the season. and They've clawed you know, all the way back in, and I just think they're going to be at the top of the Pacific when it's all said and done. Your second question, I think the, the bigger question I need to know is out of St. Louis – uh, Colorado and Dallas, who I think are going to be in and be in the top three spots in the Central. Does any one of those other four teams have a chance to beat out Vegas or Arizona or Edmonton or Vancouver? Because as much as I love my Hawks, you know, I don't think they have the best chance of those four. I think Winnipeg and Nashville have a better chance okay. to make a wild card run. Um, I don't know. I The only ones I feel good about right now are Calgary and Vegas just because they've done it. They've been there before, so they know what it takes. And, um, you know, experience matters when it comes to this time of the year. It does. Um, man, I, I really want to pick Vancouver to win that division because I like that young core a lot with, you know, Elias uh, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser. Um I would pick Edmonton because I guess Connor McDavid's on a mission to not miss the playoffs for what a third straight year, and him and Leon Drysidle are one two in the points race, and they're probably going to be dueling teammates dueling for the points lead uh, and the points title for the Art Ross all the way to the end of the season. I, I, you know, look, I think if there's any team that is going to unseat Dallas. Minnesota, maybe Minnesota's been pretty well, pretty hot. The Hawks, the Hawks have played really well lately. That's the thing, and I don't want to discount that. Winnipeg, look, Justin Buckland's not back, and eventually this team, I feel it's they're starting to regress, and I don't trust Nashville's goaltending. So I'm going to say Edmonton wins the Pacific. I think Calgary makes it because they have that experience, and man, that's just tough because it's like who do you leave out? And Darcy Kemper is going to be back for Arizona. Vegas has just been really weird this year. But I don't see that core missing the playoffs. I, but I also think Vancouver is going to... I, you know, I don't know. It's The Hawks are just really hard to trust, but so is that whole Pacific Division. And Dallas. Uh, so, uh, if I had to pick, I, I would say that... You know, I'm going to say the Hawks made the playoffs and Arizona misses it. Just because they have not played, they've only played like 500 hockey with Taylor Hall. And, you know, they just don't score enough goals, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's not, this is a this is a situation where there's not a bad pick. Because you just, like you said, you have 10 teams that legitimately have a chance at six spots. Um, I, I think Edmonton makes it, whether it's wild card or one of the top three spots. Mm-hmm. I trust them to make it. I don't trust them to go deep because I just think as great as McDavid and Dreisaitl are, they're good enough to get you into the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, you need more than just two of the best scores in the game. You need some better defense and you need some better goaltending. 
I just don't know if they have it. Vegas, the experience. Calgary, the experience. Um, God, I just, I would love to say I see the Hawks there. And again, the Pacific could just beat the crap out of each other to the point where an, a team or two from the Central sneaks in. And that's my whole point, is I think a four Central teams sneaks in. So I think it's going to be four Central and four Pacific, just because at, at some point this cluster is, someone's going to fall off from this cluster. And I just think that one of these Central teams, and I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be the Hawks, I had to forget, I guess I go to Hawks with the way that they're playing, although I don't trust their defense. <laughs> And I don't trust their ability. If they can't score on the power play, they're not going to make the playoffs. They need to get better on the power play. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, this kind of leads into our three teams of the week. We're three teams we want to watch over the second half of the season. I'll go first. Uh, I, I, Columbus, I want to see, can they hold on? With this team that's just beat up, this team that, again, they don't have the talent that the other teams do, but they keep on winning. Uh, so Columbus Blue Jackets are on that list, and I have the Vancouver Canucks as well with this young core. Can they make a push? You know, it's hard when you're a young core the first time when the pressure ratchets up in February, the middle of February, and all throughout March. No, hold on. Those games definitely take a higher intensity level. And my last team is going to be, you know, I'm going to go back to the Metropolitan Division and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, can they survive without Dougie Hamilton, their best defenseman? This is a fun team to watch. They're fun, you know, just to see the celebration, the looseness. So I'll go with those three teams. Those are the teams that I'm going to be watching and have an eye on throughout the unofficial second half of the season with the final 32 games or so. Yeah, and I think those are three great teams. Um, they're three teams that are going to have a big say in who makes it to the playoffs. And, um, you know, furthermore, what happens once you finally get to uh, playoff hockey time. So great picks. My three teams. First, I've got Toronto. I've already touched on it. Um, I think they've got too much talent to miss. It's and sometimes it doesn't come down to talent. Sometimes it comes down to are is the team cohesive? Do they gel right? Um, how's that chemistry working? How's the coaching doing? Obviously, with with the problems they had, you know, earlier in the season. I, I think they're talented enough to, to make it, and I think they're talented enough to go on a run if they do make it to the playoffs. I'm just not sure if they're mentally strong enough to, to get over these hurdles that they've faced all season. My second team, Edmonton, we just touched on it. I think they're good enough to make the playoffs. Are they going to have some guys step up to help them? Because for far too long, they've had two of the best, you know, arguably best ten players in the world and McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I think McDavid at this point for me is a clear number one in the world. He's so good. They've failed them. The Edmonton Oilers have failed them by not building a good enough team around them because this is a team when you have two of those guys, even if you're just average in all the other spots, you should be a top team. And they just, they're not consistent enough despite having two of the best players. Washington's my number three, and we've talked about it. They're so good on all every end of the ice they're top 10 in every statistic and they're having arguably one of the quietest best seasons we've seen in the last few years um you know they've been a little mediocre as of late and of course their mediocre is like you know a six and four week or a seven and three week and it looks bad to us we're like wow what's going on with them they're just so good um you know they're rested up Obviously, Ovechkin's going to serve as one game for missing the All-Star game. But, you know, that's uh, 
he could use a, a game of rest. He's not going to come out rusty. I think he'll come out uh, fired okay. up and ready to go. This team's going to be scary for anyone that has to go against them. I mean, obviously, Pittsburgh has a chance to catch them. I don't think Washington's scared anymore. They're no longer the little brother to Pittsburgh after getting over that hurdle, finally bringing home a cup. I think they're going to be exciting to watch. Um, I think these three teams are, are going to have a big say on what happens, just like your three teams. I agree. I agree. Um, let's go to our player of the week really quickly and see if uh, we'll see what we have. So we did player of the week for All-Star Weekend. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Thomas Hurdle. On the San Jose Sharks, I think he had four goals in that semifinal against the Central Division. And in addition, he trolled Justin Bieber. So Thomas Hurdle, it was an automatic. He trolled Justin Bieber in the consecutive save competition against Jordan Bennington because Bennington and Bieber got you know into a little challenge, just a challenge with each other. And I think Bennington said that I bet you can't score one goal on me, and if you do, I'll give ten thousand dollars charity. Um, and so he put a Justin Bieber mask on, fell down while he was skating because I think it was too oversized and, and lost it. But you know, it's it's you want to see that fun in an All Star weekend. So Thomas Hurdle, you're my player of the week. Yeah, and I will say that was one of the the best stories I think that's just come out recently, um, and. Beaver's been, you know, under a lot of, I'm not going to say scrutiny. He's talked about a lot because, listen, he's obviously a Canadian, so hockey runs through his blood. Uh, he played in his youth, and there's been some great videos he's put out recently of him playing in these rec leagues. Um, he seems, you know, maybe not NHL good, but still quite talented. Probably um, minor junior good. Yeah, which is still is yes. a lot of fun to watch, and so there's been some good chirping back and forth. You're right. I think Bennington said you won't score. You know, I'll give you 10 chances. You won't score on me. And if you do, I'll donate $10,000 to your charity. Bieber said, let's do it. But if I do score on you, you also have to dye your hair blonde like me. So which Bennington said, all right, you got to put $10,000 in too. And then, of course, Hurdle does the troll and and makes, you know, a sad attempt on the the shootout competition. So what a great story Um, and just a great, uh, you know, when you're playing – Hockey and you're having fun and you're giving money to charity. It's a great all-around time for everyone involved. Absolutely. My player of the week, Elias Pettersson. We've already touched on it, how fantastic he is for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I think the best, one of the, my favorite moments of the of the weekend was just the fact that he, as such a young player, has uh, the stones to go into the hardest shot competition with you know all these big boys on the defensive end. And then at the time, he's got the hardest shot. I think it was about 102.5 he hit. Um, I don't know if you saw his face, his reaction to it. When he looks on the monitor and he hits that number, he goes, holy crap. Because yes. <laughs> he, he wasn't expecting that. He's 175 um, pounds. I yeah, Fantastic. And, I mean, the slow-mo of the bend in his stick, I mean, he's exciting to watch on the ice, and let's put him in every competition um, during the skills challenge. So, Elias Patterson, of course, Pacific – Comes out with the title too, so just a great weekend overall for him. All right, uh, we're in the game of the week, and then no, we're gonna have no Smith's hits tonight. Maybe next week when Zach's in Vegas, he'll, he'll text me some hits, and it depends on how good of a weekend it is for him. Yeah. Um, anyway, so game of the week. Uh, hey, you know what? Let's go to Super Bowl Sunday. If you want a good appetizer before what should be a really good Super Bowl, hopefully, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in Washington. 11.30 Central Time, you'll probably still be asleep in the Pacific Time Zone at that point because you're in Vegas. 
And uh, so, hey, Pittsburgh Penguins at Washington Capitals, 11.30, and then I have time to, to rest from that before the Super Bowl signed me up. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a great game. Uh, you're right, I'll probably have to turn it on at 6.30 with the time difference, but um, it's going to be, I, I think, one of the best games of the week. Um, the other one that really Matt and I kind of uh, argued over who got to, to pick it this week, Calgary at Edmonton on Wednesday. I mean, again, the Battle of Alberta. Um two of the top three teams in the Pacific. You know, these teams obviously don't like each other. They've had some bad blood a few weeks ago. That's not going to change. I mean, they're still both really good teams, really tough teams. Um, it's going to be an exciting, really exciting Wednesday night matchup. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. I, that is an NBC Sports game, I hope. I think so. It, it, it might not be. I don't know, but I'm not entirely sure. All right, no Smiths hits this week. Which is, uh, that is A-okay. We will uh, see if, maybe we'll get in next week. That's going to be out of town. He's going to aforementioned Vegas for Super Bowl weekend. I'm sure it's going to be crazy there uh, in the Vegas and sports books and the casinos and all that oh, yeah. uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sure there's just a ton of people that just literally watch it in the betting things and keep going up and doing prop bets. So. Yeah, I, it's going to be crazy. I mean, I've never been to Vegas before, so I it's, have. Uh, it's quite... The first experience to go during Super Bowl. My my only disappointment over the weekend, as you and I were talking about earlier, Vegas, uh, the Golden Knights, they're on a road trip. I mean, as soon as I, Man. you know, as soon as I made these plans to go, the first thing I did was go look at their schedule because I'm like, I don't care what it costs, I'm going to a game that electric atmosphere, and of course they're they're out of town. So um, you would have been able to get tickets too. Yeah, if somebody would have been selling their tickets. Yeah, we'll just we'll just have to wait. Um, Maybe someday when, when this podcast blows up, we'll take it on the road. We'll go to Vegas, okay, and we can get a real Smith's Hits um, out of a sports book or something like that. But, yeah, it's sure to be a good week. You know, Super Bowl. yeah. I, look, I've been to Vegas. It was 15 years ago when I was in Vegas, so I'm sure it's changed a little bit. But I just remember it's really overwhelming on the strip. Just all the buildings, all the lights, and the lights never, ever, ever stop. So if you've ever been to Times Square, I imagine I've never been to Times Square, but I imagine it's like that. Similar feeling, yeah. It's yeah, we just closed in. So, all right. Well, that's all the time we have. I will be back next week uh, with the podcast, solo podcast. It will probably be Monday night. Uh, we'll just see how much energy I have when we get to the evening. Uh, Zach will not. He'll be back in two weeks, and we will both see you in two weeks. But I will see you next week. So. Uh, have a great and safe Super Bowl weekend. Have fun. Uh, and Zach, have a great trip. Thanks, man. All right. So for Zach Smith, I'm Matt Rosenberg. That is another episode of Puckheads in the Can. Have a great week, everybody.